see other Donald Trump things. Quest. Yes. Hello. What the fuck? Re- restarting works. That's stupid. Consistently. It is, and it has to do more with the audio codecs that are working. Nerd alert. <laughs> I'm sorry, yep. when you say that, could you push your glasses up between here? <laughs> I'm wearing my glasses right now. I think what it's funny I? when you're like asking a question about why something works and somebody responds with that honest and true answer and then you're like, fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I also like you making fun of somebody for being a nerd. Yes. <laughs> yeah, don't you work at a, <laughs> at, a, at a nerdy computer company? Uh, no, it's actually a visionary uh, company <laughs> that empowers every person on the planet to achieve more. So, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's the second part of the mission statement. <laughs> Stephen Carter, we made you read The Art of the Deal, the fictional autobiography about the man who's going to finish at least second in the race for president of the United States. We start and end every show by saying at least one nice thing about the topic, no matter what it is. We call it the Calumet Sandwich. As the guest, you have the right to go first in our compliment sandwich. So what is your major compliment? Yeah, um, this is uh, surprisingly for me a genuine compliment. But mm. uh, I, there was a moment when he, w- he said, uh, you know, if you were to ask me what all of these deals add up to in the end, I wouldn't have a good answer for you. It's like, <laughs> oh. like he gets that. <laughs> this is it. But he said, but I had a lot of fun doing it. It's like, that's a good enough reason for existing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently that's one of the many things the ghostwriter was like he would never have said anything like this but that's what i said yeah exactly like uh, it clearly is not him but <laughs> he he has not thought about what happens when he does at all <laughs> i like that i haven't thought about it i like yeah what is this add up to i had a good time doing it yeah exactly like that's great it's that's pretty, cool Ex- it's i mean healthy. except when you're fucking racist but um, yeah there's a lot of other problems associated yeah. with what is fun for him but mm-hmm. if that is yeah. your way of living it's generally all right right the, the, the horrible way he treats women for example. yeah 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 lots of other things but i don't know if deal i want making <laughs> yeah deal making is a good way to pass your time i don't know how much time i want to spend talking about things outside of the book because the yeah. world of the book is so fascinating yeah uh, yeah we can stick to it so really this emotionless flat landscape of negotiating is fascinating to you <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll start with my. I'll go with my compliment next. Then I, I liked it. Mm. I like genuinely. It's not enjoy- actually a compliment. I genuinely enjoyed it because I love. Uh, I love fiction about con men, and that's what this was. It was just a con man story. It didn't have the turn at the end where he actually falls in love with somebody and has to let himself be caught because of her or something. Um, uh-huh. It's really missing that classic music man ending that would make it a great story, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of a fun story because like. It's not true, and it's all about like him telling somebody that he has more dump trucks than he really has, and I really like it. <laughs> I, uh, the only thing I take issue with what you just said is that you called it a story. <laughs> yeah. It's not super linear. It is just a recounting of a lot of boring things, but I... Okay, well, so I guess the best thing, if you want me to be specific, the best thing is the story about the dump trucks. Um. Do you guys okay. remember the dump truck why anecdote? Why don't you recap it for our listeners? Yeah, but uh, so so the dump truck anecdote is that he was trying to sell, or he was like trying to get investors in his Atlantic City casino that he had already started working on. And so these investors flew into Atlantic City, and he was like, I have an idea to make them think I'm the best at construction. So he told his foreman to hire every dump truck and bulldozer in the entire state and put them on the site at the same time, even if they were just digging a hole and then filling it up again. So when the investors would look at it, they'd be like, wow, you've got a lot of dump trucks. You must be great at construction. And then they did. And then they did. And it worked. Um, And apparently that is not true. Apparently he only hired two additional dump trucks. But uh, according to the book, he was a great con man at that. And I really enjoyed it. It just, it's a nice little hustle. All the dump trucks. Yeah. Right? This book is full of him like having little hustles and taking advantage of people he perceives to be stupid. And um, Well, that's one yeah. way to say it if you hate fun. No. Yeah. I, if you hate <laughs> fun, sure. It's Chris. cool. I hate fun. That's exactly how I'd say it. <laughs> I, it also had so many dump trucks. I don't know how yeah. you guys could not be happy with this trucks, story. A lot of cement trucks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> some big trucks. He I think a lot the key of... is really in the fact that you keep referring to it as a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a true thing that happened. It doesn't... It is I, a fabrication. It is a fabrication. Yeah. I guess is what I mean. Not that it had arc. Also, there was so much talk about pouring concrete. I like that. Anyway, those yeah, are my compliments. You don't have to agree with them. Uh, Tanya... Why don't you go next? 
Uh, I guess at one point he admitted that he had come around to liking older looking architecture and I thought that was okay. <laughs> like it took most of the book to get there. He came around <laughs> about older looking ar- architecture the same way he came around liking his children. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> as, yeah. I've, as I've aged, I've gotten more accustomed to them. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten better at dealing with them as they've gotten older. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah i yeah Tanya, i did not regard this as a huh was this hard for you quite <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i i really i saved it all for the last possible moment i woke up at eight this morning and oh. read the whole book oh, wow. oh yep and uh with her eyes and brain no yeah. really oh really? that's terrible so, so you're voting for hillary <laughs> <laughs> sorry Ooh, undecided. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting to see how the facts shake out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure. Yeah, you know, what, I just this is what I really want to know. Thing Drew is in about undecided voters. By yeah, the way. that was hilarious. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, it was just uh, a profile of like three or four undecided vo- voters who are the stupidest people in the world. Are, like, this is a like, real yeah, thing or a fake voting's thing? important? I'm definitely going to vote. I just haven't decided who. I mean, I get there's still a lot of facts to come in. You know, like. Uh, where was her outgoing email SMTP uh, uh, protocol? I just want to know. Yeah. yeah. Why is she so secret about what her, <laughs> if she was using uh, yeah, pop, come on. pop three or yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. She's going to come out about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need well, more facts about the thing. I don't actually know the facts that need to come in about the, I, I just need more facts. <laughs> uh, frankly, I don't want another Benghazi. <laughs> <laughs> we have one it's it's big enough already yeah i like the benghazi we have <laughs> be happy with this one all right uh chris that leaves you major compliment for the art of the deal he really seems to enjoy his life and specifically his houses that he uh, builds for himself yeah he, he likes more really, yeah he likes his florida uh retreat he likes his uh, his big apartment in Trump Tower a lot. Yeah, like he thinks it's the best apartment that's ever apartmented. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he he just seems to really enjoy. And he likes his his plane that he got. Oh, he's uh, so into that plane. Big. Yeah. And wouldn't you also be? Sure. No. <laughs> but do you, you don't know want how a much plane, money Tanya? it costs? I have zero interest in having a. Pl- I think ostentatious wealth is just like something I will never care about. And so this whole like. And then my house that has a million rooms and all I can think about is like, who the hell is cleaning all those rooms? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, there are just so many things that I have zero interest in. I agree. It, I think that's fine. But also flying commercial is really exhausting. So I, what it, if we just had a plane? Yeah, but you I could just, like net jet something. You, you wouldn't have to own one all the time. Well, it's just but like he's just got money. a bedroom. So he will like it wouldn't be someone else's sheets. No, I, I'm with Tanya on this because what, when I was listening to this and anytime he described something he got or whether he like, he like there was a helicopter, I was like, wow, that means he has to like employ a lot of other people to take care of that. Like uh, to me, this oh, was like... Yeah, it's terrible. He has to create all those good high paying American jobs. No, that's fine. But to me, Alex, it's like we have a to stay friends. This is... <laughs> it's like, this was like reading an account of somebody who's really good at Farmville. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, okay, I'm going to build a farm here for all the... I've never played Farmville, but... It I does sound like... Yeah, it's like... It does sound like SimCity. Uh-huh. It's someone just yeah. describing their SimCity. You must contract additional pylons. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> there's... Yeah, like when he's talking about like, well, it has to be this many square feet, and then it's counted as this kind of a unit in the like zoning. And I was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've never wanted to build anything less. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not... I'm not... I mean, like, you've seen my apartment. I'm not into ostentatious wealth. Um... I keep it sure. hidden pretty well um, behind our free couch. Um, but an airplane would be convenient. No, it's not convenient. That's the whole point. It's a whole plane. Where do you keep it? How do you like maintain it? And then when it goes out of style, you just have an old plane that you have to somehow get rid of. <laughs> I've yeah. really come around about old planes recently. <laughs> I don't think old, like, it's not like property because an old plane would not increase in value, right? Exactly. No, and be... it's not like a vintage car where you're like, ooh, like yeah, slap like... in some new whatever and it's no. all good to go. It's like, no, this is a plane. Yeah, you're like, this is what die. keeps you from death in the sky. Yeah. Like, you don't want a super old one that used to be like a mansion in, on wings. Like, no, no, no. 
I just would love the idea of a real bet. I don't know. I mean, I'll give up on this if it helps us stay friends. I just want. I like the idea of napping when you're flying in a real bed. I just, I just, and nobody's like, no one's hitting your knees, and you could board at the time the flight's ready to leave instead of like a half an hour oh, yeah. before. No, that all sounds great, but you don't necessarily have to own a plane to do that. I don't yeah. have to own a plane. I'm saying if you had a plane, you would probably enjoy that plane. Okay. So you want a plane to sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, it, what's wrong with your bed? <laughs> I want a plane that doesn't have to stop in Boise when I'm going to Burbank. I just, there's so many things. I want a plane like- that has food on it. They're just, I just want so many things. <laughs> it sounds like you want to fly marginally better than you currently fly, Alex. I'm just like no yes. layovers and like yes. maybe not in like the back of a plane. I don't know that that means you need to own like Sky Palace a la Trump. I just don't it's see it. It's only a 727, so it's not that big. You're right. Alex <laughs> is right, everybody. You're right. Let's, <laughs> let's go pitch 100 tons of marble. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We're a good podcast about bad books and movies and TV. I'm your host, Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter, Alex underscore Falcone. Joining me, as always, he's at C. Walter Smith on Twitter in Brooklyn, New York. It's Mr. Chris Smith. Hey, Alex, I'd like to build something very expensive. Please give me all of the money for free. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I, I own this property. Do you want to build something on it and then run it and then give me the profits? Yeah. It's fascinating. And by right? own, I mean I've paid no money down, but yeah, the yeah. bank is convinced that I, there's a chance that I can get somebody else to build something there. Yeah, yeah. So They'll just let me have it if you take it over. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. All right. And joining me, also uh, joining us today on Third Mike, she's at the Tanya Best on Twitter, in also in Brooklyn. It's Tanya Smith. I describe my mom as the perfect housewife. I don't know what you mean. What are my problems with women? I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's gross. You're right. I have nothing for that. That's gross. I'm not defending him. That's, I was just trying to Sorry. think of a joke. No, no, it's just gross. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, also joining us this week, we have a very <laughs> special guest at Carter Street 42 on Twitter. Occasionally in Seattle, Washington, it's Stephen Carter. 4 p.m. I call my son and tell him I won't be home. 4:15 p.m. I call him again and say I won't be. I don't. I don't have any. <laughs> he does. He made a lot of calls. He did yeah. say though he always takes a phone call from his kids. That's a real yeah. champion of a father right there. Yeah, that's true. Always has a place in his phone for his kids. I yeah. just love the idea of just like marching into an office in the morning and making fifty phone calls. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> uh. Be almost as bad as marching in and sending fifty emails. Oh wait. And then I love that he also champions, like, the phone call lasted four minutes and we covered 12 topics very well. And you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that this is all pre-cell phone, right? right. So when, whenever he's he had like, a wired taking a twiddle. call. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a while to just, like, sit. And then a secretary will come in and say, Mr. Trump, somebody's online, too. And he's like, mm, I don't know. What, is it Ed Koch? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Do you think he <laughs> been as successful if he came up in a time when there was uh, better technology, like more active technology, or did he like need the sort of face to face and phone call thing? Are you so you're I saying he definitely leveraged the face to face? You're phone saying call he would thing. do better with FaceTime? <laughs> yep, this is a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am so anxious about phone call. I hate phone calls so much. Uh, that him describing his phone log just like was the most uncomfortable I've been in a long time. Just, wow, it really that was the part that made you uncomfortable. That yeah, he so wasn't building weird. anything. There was no, <laughs> there was no airplanes. It was just on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that must have made you really uncomfortable. It was, <laughs> it was very. I, I just internalized the stress of if my phone was ringing all day. <laughs> I uh, like the idea of just like a lot of like powerful graying white men and like endless pinstripe suits but like on their tummies with like their like feet in the air like with like a phone cord like wrapped around their finger being like hi what's going on yes hi, i'd Johnny. love to finance your new project 
Uh, so this episode, that is great. This is episode of 365. We've Whoa, now done as many episodes as the number of days in a year that Rick Ross is huffling. Is, sorry, is hustling. Oh, LMFAO be shuffling. <laughs> Always be huffling. <laughs> is that the Hufflepuff? Oh, the, the elevator isn't working. I'll be huffling all the way to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Talking's hard. <laughs> the number of days in a year that Riss, Rick Ross is hustling. <laughs> Riss Ross? <laughs> My wristwatch is really hustling. <laughs> I think I need to get a new battery. <laughs> this is episode number 365. <laughs> we have now done as many episodes as the number of days in a year that Rick Ross is hustling. LMFAO is shuffling. Elvis Costello writes the book. Dr. Dre smokes weed, and Cheryl Crow is driving along that winding road. Wow. You did it. We got there together, you guys. <laughs> Just really happy for us. Wow. <laughs> what a day. Anyway, yeah. speaking of words, this week we're talking about The Art of the Deal, the 1987 bestseller by Donald J. Trump with Tony Schwartz. Uh, former journalist Tony Schwartz. Um, that's a. There was. I was reading a lot about the backstory of this book, and there was uh, the the New Yorker wrote this long piece. I'm sure you guys saw about from Tony Schwartz talking about how bad he felt about having been a part of this book. Yeah. Oh no, uh, I've done no secondary research. Well, it, I mean, I I saw it when it first came out, uh, and I did not actually read it until now. But yeah, Tony Schwartz feels real bad about it, and he gives almost all of his uh, royalties to charities that he thinks Donald Trump would hate, like. Um, Groups that protect immigrants. Um, oh, that's awesome! Which is great. Yeah, totally cool. Um, but he uh, uh, he was a journalist. He was like a well-respected journalist when he took this job, and he really like stressed over whether or not to do it. But he decided, you know, his his they had a new kid, and he wanted to make money. Um, and like a writer referred to him like right after he signed the contract as former journalist Tony Schwartz, <gasps> which is so cold. It's just oh, stone man. cold. Oh no! <laughs> like he, he said some like he said that this was like putting lipstick on a pig, and yeah. he said that if he were to write it today, it would be called the sociopath. <laughs> yeah, which probably would not have gotten through editing, but I appreciate the thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, if you just put that title on this, it actually makes this more it feels a lot like the stranger yeah 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 that's actually a really solid idea if they re-released it just as the sociopath without a word changed yeah well yeah well maybe you add in just a section about how he shot an arab guy on a beach but yeah sure (laughs) but he felt nothing about it (laughs) well he called somebody he he called an arab guy on the beach and that was enough yeah anyway so you guys uh when this happens when you guys hear this by the time you're hearing my voice like five days left and then this whole shit show is over isn't that exciting the election is over soon (laughs) so close I'm I'm excited about it and uh, happy election week. I don't know. Uh, maybe you maybe you do enjoy parts of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you enjoy the the comedy news television that's on. Sure. Or, yeah. Or maybe it's just nice. Uh, like even though nobody really cares about policy during the election, it's still more than they care about it when there's not an election. So maybe that's fun for you. Or maybe it's fun to just consume a lot less media because you can't handle the panic attacks it gives you. Yeah. You've really gotten a lot of other stuff done. There's yeah. Some, yeah, great. Yeah, that would be t- super good for you. That buffet is varnished. <laughs> oh. Sometimes <laughs> I forget a buffet is a piece of furniture and not just uh, like all you yeah. can eat crab. And yeah. so, oh, you lacquered the eggs again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm still, that's still all I can mentally picture. So. <laughs> uh, speaking... Oh, wait, wait, where are we? No. Uh, anyway, so that's why we did it. Uh, if you want to... Uh, help participate in choosing topics go to readthesweep.com sign up on the mailing list there'll be an opportunity for you in the future to help choose what we're going to do in the meantime Chris yeah as our resident summarizer please summarize the art of the deal in the style of a guy making a lot of money to help support his wife this is about Tony Schwartz, not wait because he loves Trump. his wife and wants her every happiness. No, is that why? No, this is uh, this is Tony Schwartz, the former journalist who is oh, now oh, making Tony, enough money oh, to okay. support his wife. Yes, okay, I'm with you. Yes. Uh, so the not Donald Trump talking about his the uh, ex wife that he was currently cheating on while this book was being written. Yeah, but she's great. She's crackerjack. You know, really, <laughs> she's uh, very competitive. She's an excellent employee. 
That's what I think <laughs> of my wife as. Yeah, yeah and also uh, a first alternate to the Czechoslovakia ski team. Yeah. Which so, turned out not to be know. true, but is such a great lie. Because no, who's going to check on the alternates to a ski te- an Olympic team that you're not yeah. in? Yeah, and who knows? She might have bulky quads or something. Also yeah. a Canadian supermodel. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Canadian supermodel, Czech, first alternate ski team. Yeah, okay. Uh, getting back to, so the art of the deal is a, a quote, autobiography, end quote, of uh, Donald J. Trump, who... In, wrote it in 1987 with the help of a well-regarded journalist, formerly well-regarded former journalist, uh, <laughs> so to talk cool. about his, his life in the context of the big deals that he has made. Because Donald Trump is a billionaire. He's, a, he's a, 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 an icon. He's a mogul. He's a real estate and casino uh, hustler, maven. Uh, he's basically Lex Luthor, if Lex Luthor... Didn't have to fight with Superman because Lex Luthor was Superman. Donald J. Trump is Superman. <laughs> I said it. Also, uh, instead of alopecia, he had too much hair. Yeah. Too, he, he has way he too much hair. He has acquired and managed a large <laughs> quantity of hair. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this book starts uh, you know, with a little framing device talking about his day and talking about the big deal he's working on. But then it goes back and talks about all the deals that he's worked on in the past. His dad was a builder of uh, low and middle income housing and basically a slumlord. Nothing to see here. Yep. (laughs) And they did a lot of kicking out people who couldn't pay the rent. A lot of denying homes to brown people. Sure, yeah. They were very busy. Listen, we have very simple, objective-ish standards of who should be living here. (laughs) Yeah. And so even by college, he was like looking for distressed uh, low and middle income housing properties that he could buy and then turn around for a profit. And so we start by uh, talking about that in a place he, he uh, did. Was that Cincinnati, Cleveland, something? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he wanted to go somewhere where there's no rent control. Right, because rent control is the worst thing ever. That was a fun chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump's opinions on rent control. Anybody want them? No? Cool. <laughs> He's a good one. <laughs> I'll yeah. take them. Oh, okay. Um, that, yeah, that, that was, he was just treating Cubans like animals. So yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not uh, like fun animals. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No, yeah, this isn't like a, a wacky giraffe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't a horse that can do math. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so he scales up, you know, by making money. He then turns that money into more money with more deals. The thing you got to remember about Donald Trump is that he loves deals. Oh. He loves deals for their own sake. Deals he are would his do a deal and the world is his canvas. Yeah, he just loves to win. Money's a way to keep score, but after a certain point, it doesn't matter to him. You know, the money doesn't matter, even though the money is the only thing that ever mattered to him. And so, he also, basically I, it's just, important to know in this book. It's important to remember in context that this is like a year and a half before everything that he owned went bankrupt. Yes. So this is still uh-huh. while he does. Ha- it's before the bankruptcies. So this is when he's, he's still, riding high. He's winning. Yeah. Ski in that mountain of cocaine. <laughs> and he uh, basically, you know, he makes these deals. He's just very pushy and very insistent. And so he, he can show up in person. He's a, you know, a big personality. And he basically is like, hey, give me this deal for this price. And they're like, no, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, no, keep, no, give me the deal for this price. And eventually they do. And then for that price, he doesn't want to pay his own money. He will go to the bank and get financing for it, and the bank will make it contingent on another thing, and he'll wheel and deal and spin it so that actually he almost never invests his own money in anything, and he gets the best of all worlds. It's sort of like, um, you know, I don't know, a pushy toddler who's like, uh, I want the candy and not the vegetables. But like if well, that toddler had lawyers who drew up pretty good contracts. Yeah, pretty good lawyers. And, uh, you know, he talks about a, a lot of notable developers and personalities in New York that he meets. Uh, he really likes Barbara Walters. So which I, is here's nice. the deal, Mom. I will eat your broccoli contingent on you providing a certain amount of ice cream by a deliverable date, whereby yes. I will take control of the broccoli, but I'm not required to eat it in your presence and may right. sell it to a developer from Hong Kong. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have a letter of intent drawn up yes. that I intend to eat the broccoli. <laughs> Uh, contingent on the ice cream being delivered on time and on budget. (laughs) 
and someone else can the provide. The New York Times loves this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the New York Times food critic thinks this is a great deal. Also, uh, I I do not promise that I will consume the broccoli. I might find another buyer for the broccoli who will then consume it on my behalf. <laughs> yes, I will. I will have someone rent space in my plate who, yeah, would, right. who will take the broccoli. Also, this is going to be the tallest plate anyone has ever built. Yes. Yeah. Tallest building in the world. He intends to build the tallest building in the world in this book. Does he? Does he? Well, the, no. Does that happen? It ends on a cliffhanger, so you'd have to think about New York and think, does it have the tallest building in the world? And if the answer is no, he failed. Boy, it's such a head scratcher. <laughs> yeah, you might wonder, is New York located in Taipei? <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, uh, isn't... Or I guess, no, because no, Freedom Tower is not taller than uh, no. any of that stuff. No, it's the Burj, no. the Burj still is the tallest. The Burj. Right? Oh, man. What the a Burj crazy Dubai? building that is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so he also owns a, a professional football team in a competing <laughs> league to the NFL. If you're thinking, wouldn't it be great to own a professional football team? You might be right. <laughs> a bit. That whole yeah. Depending so on what league that team is in. Yeah, if it's not in the NFL yeah, uh, and all you're doing is pissing away a ton of money, uh, it's not great. And <laughs> so, the thing is, yeah. he sets himself up as such a shrewd deal maker. He, you know, this book takes you through the building of hotel after hotel after casino after hotel casino. All this stuff. Everything's the best. It's the tip top. All the critics love it. He can do no wrong. He's making money. He's a billionaire. Then he buys this football team and he's like, I never make deals until I know that there's going to be a profit. Or Except I have, yeah. uh, this one, I just kind of felt like it. You know, whatever. But, like, if the team had succeeded, we would have had a really good defense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you a fun football story really fast? Okay. Okay. Keep in mind, Tanya does not know or care about football. She might like this. So, Portland had an arena football team. Sure, the Rhinos. No. Uh, Great guess. Uh, They were the Thunder. Vultures. Then they got changed to the Steel. Flamingos. (laughs) Good guess. Good guesses. So we had an arena football team, and in 2015, they made the playoffs, even though they finished last place, because (laughs) the three teams above them all went bankrupt before the playoffs. Yay! (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Wow. Yeah. Arena football. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Better than the USFL, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's so That's good. It's one of my favorite sports facts. Anyway. That is genuinely funny. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Wow. So he oh, invests no. in the USFL. It doesn't go great. Doesn't go great because uh, you know all those USFL teams that we all root for <laughs> and collect trading cards for and can't miss on television. Yeah. What's your favorite USFL team? Uh, I would say the Los Angeles Express. The Flapjacks. Because. Yeah. Los Angeles Express? Yeah, that was a team that That's a good name about. for the Los Angeles. That's a funny name yeah, for a team there. Yeah, solid. Yeah, I was like, is that a WNBA team or the soccer I'm, team? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, the Smithsville uh, hat tricks. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite okay. team. Yeah. I, I like the team Trumpones, which is the New York uh, hands that are actually quite large. <laughs> <laughs> Me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> they are actually quite large. Uh, there's no, really. Let me assure you, there's no problem in that area. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you guys and remember when he talked about his dick and his maniac- I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, we can't. We can't. Yeah. Um, so near the end of the book, he's maniacally uh, obsessed with making an ice skating rink because the city's been trying to build a skating rink for a while <laughs> and failing at it and he knows he can do it better okay okay so there's like okay. an hour of this audiobook that's just him talking about different like pipes that can freeze ice so that actually was more interesting to me than anything i know yeah. was it like and imagine remember you in the first couple chapters if anyone had told you wait till he gets really interested in skating rinks you would have been like no way no, I would have been like, oh, take me there. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about a salt brine refrigeration system versus a, uh, freon, a freon refrigerator. Yeah. yeah, which I could have told you right away. Always go yeah. brine. Yeah. Always. <laughs> or else. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my, I think that was the my favorite deal, was him trying really hard to make a skating rink. Yeah, and telling the city, hey, I'll do it for free. 
Yeah. And, and the city's like, still no. That's st- a hard we, no We still us. hate you. <laughs> I know. That's the funny thing. It's like, it's impossible to read this without the subtext where every deal is like, I'll just do it for free. Like, I want it done right. And that everybody doesn't want it. And it means that everybody hates you, you fucker. <laughs> we could read into that. <laughs> and he's like, these idiots. I don't know why they won't do it. Well, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> do you think maybe the one factor in all these things is you? <laughs> absolutely so does he do it does he make the best skating rink ever and people love it all the time and it makes more money than any other skating rink sure it does because he's donald fucking trump <laughs> is that what the j stands for yeah yeah it's uh it's a gerund Swedish. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about uh and then he tries to do another deal with the city about something that's actual that actually matters but they hate him so much from the skating rink thing that they just say no <laughs> and uh that's pretty fun yeah. So he ends the book by saying that he's got high hopes for the future, that everything's looking nothing but up, and that he really wants to give back to, to charities and to... Yeah, the book just cuts off right there. So <laughs> We may have been was... listening to a, a, a low-quality audiobook. Yeah. But... My favorite parts were when it cut out. <laughs> like, <laughs> <it's> like... <laughs> Maybe it's over now. I did like because I was driving a lot. I was listening, yeah. and I, I I was skipping them at first, and then one time it happened. I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I really did. Because yeah. yeah, so we're listening to an audiobook taken from a cassette, and so there were pauses where it had to flip over the tape. Yeah, but uh, you know, nothing bad ever happened to Donald Trump, and he succeeded at everything else, and will always be the most successful mogul that we've all ever heard of. And the end. That's the book. That is the book. Uh, actually, I, I got to the chapter, like, just as I was finishing the end where he's talking about wanting to give more money to charity, right as the um, Washington Post published the big story, that big story, I think, two days ago now, about how Donald Trump has never actually given money to charity, hmm. even though he talks about it a lot. Yeah, it it's really, amazing. It was really great timing. Oh, his fund that's actually his own company? So there was, an, yeah. it was a new report that was more than just the fund, but yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a... Uh, Turns out he just asked other people to give cha- to charity for him, sort of the way he does other deals. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's actually it's it's pretty amazing. Everybody should actually read that Washington Post. You should. Right? It's great. That, the key that, though that to enjoying this book is not remembering he's a real person. It really is more fun if he's not. Well, and and you know, not only is he not a real person, but forty percent of the country also doesn't want him to be their leader, <laughs> which is not true, obviously. So no worries. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so let's actually focus. It's so easy to be political about this, and I think people have gotten a lot of that. So here's what I want to focus on for this next section. Um, for our anchor segment today, I just want to learn, focus, focus on how to make a deal and the tips that Donald Trump gives on making a deal. He has an 11-step process, and I just want to sort of walk through them and talk about them um, so that we don't, we, we don't risk remembering he's a real person. Um, so I want to focus on like advice that you thought was really good and interesting, or I'll tell you, I'll, I'll remind you I have the process written down and I'll kind of tell you some things and you can talk about your thoughts on it. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sounds fine. Um, uh, I think my, my, the most useful piece of advice he said was, in my opinion, deals are always easier when both sides desire something. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. a good start, right? If you're making a deal, it's always good to have the other person also want to make a deal. Yep. Yeah. Um, you don't just approach the- somebody and like want to make a deal and they're like, huh? Yeah, I want to buy that property you have. And they're like, I don't have any property. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to build a TV station there. Um, so uh, let's talk about this, the process, though. Here's, the, here's his 11 step process. Think big. Mm-hmm. Protect okay. the downside and the upside done. will take care of itself. Yeah, well, wait, it's done? What are you thinking, Chris? Oh, I just think big all the time. Oh, well, big think, thoughts, if, huge if thoughts. If you think of something huge. specifically big, I want to hear about it. Um, step three, maximize your options. Know your okay. market, use your leverage, enhance your location, get the word out, fight back. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's sort of assuming someone will be fighting you. Yeah, which might be a safe yeah. assumption. <laughs> well, <laughs> Donald, if you're the, but I was thinking so big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, deliver the goods, contain wow. the costs, and most importantly, step 11, have fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because as long as you're having fun while maximizing your leverage and fighting back. <laughs> so wait, these are steps. That's what he referred to them as. Although it does. So, yeah. So you don't have fun till it's over. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, you're not having fun the whole time. No, no. Uh, 
Well, so you have to think big first. But then, like, getting the word out and fighting back is, like, in the middle. Getting the word out? (laughs) What is this, a happening? (laughs) No, that's where you pretend to be your own manager and call newspapers. Yeah. And lightly disguise your voice and say, like, no, this is uh, uh, Donald Triumph. Got a lot of good business to do with my friend Donald Trump. Really good guy. Like that. That was really good. It was pretty persuasive. Yeah. Um, Of those steps, like keeping those steps in mind, maybe let's talk about the specific deals he makes then, maybe. Because you guys don't seem like you have a lot of thoughts on these 11 steps. Well, well the, uh, uh, it's just hard to hold together. I'm not sure it hangs together as a framework. Sure. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like hard to have thoughts about it's like, hey, let's just talk about these really open concepts that don't mean anything. Well, I, I guess that's my first thought is like, I think it's very funny is like, deliver the goods. Like, this is your secret to business. Yeah. It's like, oh, deliver actually the do the goods. thing you're paid to do. Yeah. Step nine. Use your leverage. Yeah. Um, I mean, hmm. the, we, Chris, you mentioned this earlier. I think one of the fascinating things about him is, or not fascinating things, the things that is like the most recurring in this story is... Step two, protect the downside, which is that he never invests any of his own money and he's always tricking other people. Like, I guess I didn't really realize that this had that this world existed this way, where you could yeah. just say, you could go to someone who owned property, say, hey, I'll pay you $10 million, then go to a hotel builder and be like, hey, I already own this property. Just give me $10 million and you can build a hotel there. Yeah. And then you go to a hotel operator and you're like, hey, I already built this hotel. Just give me the cost of building it and you can run it. And then everybody pays each other, and somehow you still get 50% of the profit, and you didn't do anything except... Oh, not- and you just show up to the building site every day and yell at people. Yeah. You know, some, one of the sub-steps here is micromanage the shit out oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Jesus I care Christ. about every detail. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he actually go to the quarry to help pick out the Yeah, the, the marble? specific slabs he wanted, and him and his wife would mark the ones they didn't want with, like, a, a black X. <laughs> I don't That's know. It's pretty what... cool. <laughs> the you... funny thing about all this is, like, I—I I mean, me personally, I have never been in a Trump building or anything. But anytime when I think of Trump, I don't think of like glamorous by any means. Like even the buildings or casinos, I think of like ostentatious, like over the top, disgusting bronze and like eighties yeah. technology mixed in where it shouldn't be. Like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean... I have I have been in a Trump property. Uh, I think I've probably been in more than I realize, but like I I went to one that is like specifically with his name on it in Chicago, and the location is very good. Yeah, <laughs> like I have he, to give him credit he for does that. Tend to like, build in good parts of cities. Yeah, well, that is step six. Enhance your location. <laughs> yeah, he certainly you'd... he certainly does do that, but. Uh, uh, it's still I mean even then and this you know when I was there it was before most of this swirl about his his candidacy had even really gotten off the ground and it was still an oogie thing yeah. like I oh, still yeah, yeah. like I just instinctively had a bad feeling about like his name and his whole deal so, yeah so he does you know he does have a lot of those casinos though and like casinos are about tacky ostentatious bullshit that's like a classic casino thing mm-hmm. uh and so I think that make, like that's makes way more sense to me than like the condo building in Manhattan where like it seems a lot grosser. Like the same style does not work on the Atlantic City boardwalk and in Manhattan, I don't think. Uh, I mean, nope. I'm not the New York Times architecture critic or anything, but and thank God for that. <laughs> Cuz otherwise he would agree with me sometimes and disagree with me at other times. Yeah. Can oh, you believe it? Man, he said a great thing about the critic where he was like um if you're a critic, uh, it doesn't matter what you say. As long as you write for the New York Times, people will take your word for it. Which is like, yeah, you got a job at the Times? That's yeah, and impressive. Whatever you say passes their editorial board. Yeah, yeah, that so. means you're very good at this to get the job. The New York Times isn't just like, hey, we could just take anybody and put them on the architectural page and people will believe them because of our bio. That's not how the... Yeah. Well, Trump's New York Times would work that way. <laughs> New York Trump. Yeah, whoever he gets a good feeling about, who's an outsider. <laughs> I was, yeah, I guess the the number of relationships that he would like buy into for like a very particular like personal reason, and then eventually be like, ah, I had to distance myself. It was too bad, but uh, you know, I felt weird about it, but it's fine. <laughs> like, 
or like being like, and I'm pretty sure he's a shady individual, but you know, this was just my experience with him. It was fine. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, he, he also really glances over his relationship with his father who gave him a lot of stuff. Yep. Like one yep. of the steps, of the 11 step process should be like, have your dad co-sign on the loan papers. Cause that yeah. happened a lot. And he, he always forgot to mention that part when he talked, like, in these Especially specific early deals, yeah. several yeah. of them involved his dad having to co-sign on the loans, uh-huh. which, I mean, you know, my parents co-signed on college education loans, I guess, so, like, I'm not, no shade to that, but uh, it, does, it is weird to leave it out when you're talking about what a great deal you cut. It's weird to leave out the context in which you became successful. Yeah. Like I think saying like we lived in a large house was probably an understatement. I'm just guessing. Like what? as far as like his like growing up and then like the kinds of relationships he was able to leverage following that like upbringing and yeah. that like social circle like the entire I I think this is the Sorry, this isn't funny. This is the myth that everybody propagates is like, follow my steps to success. Completely ignore the reasons that I was even able to take these steps in the first place. Oh. Buy my book. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and you see this from every very successful like CEO or entrepreneur. Everybody's writing books because there's this fallacy that like, oh, I, I'm very successful. Therefore, the, the steps I did in that order are what makes somebody successful. Yeah, I wake totally. up very early in the morning. Obviously, that's why I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> like, fuck off. This yeah. is a crock of shit. Yeah. Well, so These actually... The swampy foundations into which the American dream is sinking every day. <laughs> I actually, I do want to say one more thing about the writing process of the book then, since you guys didn't... Chris, since you said you didn't read more about this, um, and maybe people at home have not. So uh, what Tony Schwartz said about his writing on the book was that he set up to interview Trump every Saturday morning, and then he he figured out really quick that um, that Donald doesn't have a very long attention span, like sub two minutes. And <laughs> after two minutes, he would get really irritated and stop answering questions and be like, "Why all the questions?" and storm out. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, because you signed a half million dollar contract to write a book. Yeah, to with write me. a book. Um, but uh, so what he ended up doing was the way they f- he figured out to write the book is Donald just let him listen in on the business phone calls during the day. So the key was he had to he and just followed him around. So so Tony just like hung out at his house, flew on the admittedly beautiful private jet. Um, Here we go. <laughs> no, anyway, the the super convenient private jet that he had, and also like just sat in the office. So the whole, for like a month he was just like a teenager. He was just on the other line, like an intern, listening yeah. in on the call. I guess like an intern. Um, or like an apprentice, I don't know. But anyway, he just like listened to all of these phone calls. So that's why the book has no personal details because Donald wouldn't talk about anything, but he would let you listen to him lie to people on the phone. And so that's the content of the book he had to work with. Isn't that funny? That's funny to me. I think it's funny that he just had no time for interviews and not even time. It's not time. He had time. Yeah, he had no patience. Just, he just no attention. Have patience. Yeah, he's just like a little yeah. ADD. Yeah. yeah. What do you think he does like between phone calls do you think he twiddles his thumbs do you think he's he's like on his belly on a rug just sort of gossiping probably just yells at people yeah. i i think he probably like has a bag of like almonds that he's trying to get open a little a little travel size pouch of almonds and he's just never oh able man to get that's it. so hard i know and so it's like the whole every time between calls he's like just fighting with it and then he puts it in his teeth and he can't he tears off the corner but it doesn't open yeah. it far enough and then, and like, late in the day, he'll finally get it open, but it explodes everywhere. Yeah, and, and he loses all the almonds. almonds. It's start over. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's the whole... His whole day is phone call, try to get almonds open. Yeah. That's how I picture oh, it. Yeah. I mean, here's a good micro, like, or, you know, example that I think is exactly in line with who Trump is, is he describes his childhood as he has a younger brother, and they were building blocks to see who could build the more beautiful building, because that's what you do when you're, you're a kid. <laughs> oh, God. This, and, this and is so such a good answer. He needed more blocks because he wanted to make his building taller. And he asked his brother. And his brother, who was not nearly as ruthless as Donald, uh, said, sure, yeah, have some blocks. And he just kept asking for blocks until Donald had all the blocks. <laughs> he took all and the then blocks. he said, no, 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 oh, that's wait. okay. This is a shared structure. Um, you can have the blocks back when I'm done with the building. 
And then what he does is he super glues all the blocks together. He was so enamored with the beauty of the building yeah. he created yeah. with all these blocks. <laughs> that is an amazing... I forgot about that story. That is an you amazing were, story. He uses the same adjective to describe a block tower he created as a child that he does to describe all Yeah, I know. <laughs> Welcome to the Political Bubble Fest, the mini podcast on the Sesame Network. Political Bubble Fest is brought to you by Amazon.com. Do you buy stuff? Then you probably buy stuff from Amazon.com. That's cool, but well, guess what? Now you can keep buying stuff from Amazon, and we'll get a few bucks to keep the show going. Just go to Amazon.com, and you'll be redirected to using our special referral code, Amazon.com. Now that sounds legal. Thanks for tuning into the Bubble Fest, everybody. I'm Ken, the aggressive one. Hi, I'm Tom, the smart one. And I'm the woman who has... <clears throat> sorry. And I'm the woman who knows more than them, but isn't allowed to talk without Thanks, being... Stephanie. Today on the Political Bubble Fest, we got three topics. First up, new polls suggest liberals should stop freaking out already. Topic number two, conservatives. Who are they? Where are they? Why aren't there any in my book club? And topic three, down-ballot races. Are they... Wah, 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 wah. Let's start out. Tom, you're the smart one. Tell us about the latest poll numbers. Sure. We've analyzed all the latest numbers from the firm Horse Race Polling. Horse Race Polling, don't worry. We know you're not part of the problem. You really do care about the issues, but you're human too, so you're not immune to this fun part. So what do the numbers say? Uh, We're getting pretty nervous around here, Tom. By a substantial 80% margin, we just want to reassure you that your candidate is going to win. Oh, thank God. I'm definitely here to be constantly reassured that people who disagree with us don't outnumber us. It looks like at the moment they don't. What do you think, Stephanie? Well... When you really dive into these new numbers, I thanks, think you Steph. Can see so, that- topic two today, we're looking at conservative voters. It's part seventeen of our series. Like, who are these people? That's right. We've really been trying to dig into this mysterious voter block. According to the Pew Research Center, forty-eight percent of registered voters identify as Democrats, or <clears throat> sorry, or say they lean toward the Democratic Party, compared with forty-four percent who identify as Republican or lean toward the Republican Party. Forty-four percent of the country—that's so crazy. I know. Then how come I've never run into one in Trader Joe's? No idea. Do you think that because we're journalists and podcasters... No, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, it's not because we're podcasters, because, you know, Joe Rogan is a podcaster. Is he conservative? He seems like it. Or maybe I just think that because I hate him. When I was reporting... When that's I was right. You told me that story. I, went, I, met, I met people in... Or, sorry. You met some people in a diner who disagreed with you about fiscal policy. Isn't that weird? That's right. Which and means they're probably I, racist. Statistically, that's dubious, but it seems reasonable to me. Now on to our third topic today. We're talking about the down-ballot races, and we've got a listener question to go to. Hey, love the show. It really helps me get through the dark times when Facebook shows me people I disagree with. Um, anyway, what I was wondering was, with uh, this clear victory in the bag for the side of unequivocal good, uh, what do you think will happen further down the ballot with key Senate races? I've been told I'm supposed to care about that so I can look smart, but every time somebody starts talking about it, I glaze over. Oh, that's a great question, totally real person. As we look at key Senate races, like the one in wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. Uh, I think it's happening again. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was me. I think I bored myself. Anyway, anyway, one of the tightest races is in Nevada, where Harry Reid, wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah, even though Hillary is ahead in the horse race there. Thanks, Tom. We'll keep a close eye on the wah-wah-wah. Do you guys think nope. that... Uh... Me neither. Oh, Good. That's it for this week's Political Bubble Fest. We're going to be back every day between now and the election because this is literally the only time of year people are willing to listen to us. The Political Bubble Fest was brought to you by Amazon.com. Go to that address whenever you buy stuff online and a portion of your proceeds benefit these lazy parodies. Amazon. Trust in Amazon. Uni- God. Us in it. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Amazon. Trust in it. A- <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's a challenge, but I believe in you. Okay. Amazon. Trustnazon, usnazon. It's definitely legalazon. It's so funny that you guys have Amazon. <laughs> we definitely have Amazon. How did nobody else think of that? That's so good. <laughs> it turns out in all of their because they own like two hundred thousand domain names and they never thought of that particular mispronunciation. <laughs> right. That's amazing. I just went there right now. That's so good. Isn't that great? It totally works. Yeah. And we had we had to put that little like redirect so people know that it's not Yeah. So that they know it's working. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right, now it's time for lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. 
so this is our mini game segment where we ask questions and play games. Uh, so first up, we got a couple. Well, we got a couple things uh, that were suggested by Chris for games to play. The first one is, um, if you could hire Donald to be your deal maker, making an all upside, no downside deal, what would you negotiate? What would you have him negotiate on behalf of your life? I'm going to take the high road here. And I'm going to pretend that my real answer of New York real estate is not actually the thing that I want. Because oh, it's right, all yeah. I ever talk about on these questions. You do talk about New York real estate a lot and then seem pretty quiet about it as soon as we're reading a book about New York real estate. Yeah. Well, I don't want to own a hotel, you know? Do you want to own like, like a, lot a of whole work. train yard on the I've seen side. Dunstan checks in. I think a lot of chaos is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you have him negotiate then? Hmm. Good question. I think uh, maybe like uh, my my work life balance that'd be really good for all upside no downside. So you'd so be like, get, "Hey, work! Um, I've got this great deal with frisbee practice, yeah, and uh, they've agreed to take Saturdays at two, provided you don't put me on call for emails." And work is like, "I don't know." And then he goes over to the frisbee people and he's like, "Look, I got you the Friday, the Saturdays at two, yeah." And then, and then he could just basically wheel and deal yeah. and with all his leverage and thinking big, I'd wind up with more money in the long run and less work and I, uh, have more time to live my life. Actually, know? how are you guys at negotiations generally? Because I'm sure we've all been in negotiating Terrified. the last few years. Is it the worst? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I have an overdeveloped sense of empathy. So if I win something, I feel really bad for the other person. <laughs> Are you sure that's a good... It's like I'm too evolved. It's like I'm too nice, you know? (laughs) You did spin that as a compliment to yourself, but it it is also... I totally understand where you're coming from, where you're like, are you sure you can afford that? That seems expensive for you. Yeah, it's... uh, No, I... Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I always feel like I don't deserve the thing. There, I did it in a way that's less complimentary. (laughs) (laughs) I am so bad at it. I I had a meeting the other day where I, like, with some people, and they were like, yeah, we have this thing we can help you with, but uh, no money. And I was like, oh, I guess I should have asked for money. (laughs) Just didn't think about it. Yes, you should have. I'll just take that, whatever you offered. I am, yeah, I'm terrible at it. And it's it comes up so often because I don't have a, like, I have little things and not a real job, and so I'm constantly having to renegotiate small things, and I... I'm just so bad at it. Yeah. And I admire people who are good at it. Yeah, I do too. Um, like fr- uh, like friend of the show, uh, Scott, who was engineer Scott, who's been on a few times. Uh, we, I was with him running errands one day and we went into a uh, UPS store and they were like, here's how much it'll cost to ship this. And he was like, could it be less? And they were like, well, I guess we could give you a book discount for this one item. But- that was it. Yeah, it was like that. Just that ask. seems like a lot. Could we? Could I pay less for that item? And they said yes. Have you yeah. guys heard that this American Life episode about the good guy discount? Oh yeah, where it's it's uh it basically like if you go into a place and buy something and ask like for a discount, just be like, hey, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. Could I get a good guy discount? That like. <laughs> Sometimes it works like twenty five percent of the time. Yeah, but twenty five percent of the time, seventy five percent of the time, you feel like a right asshole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's I, what I'm worried about is how I would feel if they said no. But I don't. Yeah, I, it's just. I mean, you're never going to see this person again. So, but like, yet it it matters so much to me how this one stranger <laughs> yeah, right. thinks about me. Yeah, I mean, that is really the superpower I think that that Donald has throughout this book is just not caring about what is true or how people perceive him. Yeah. And so just he's able to say things with this kind of shamelessness that is is not capable if you have empathy. Sure. Or just if you like have a certain self-awareness. Yeah. I'll, I don't know that it's even yeah, like I think there's it's a blend of like wanting to be perceived a certain way and then also like feeling a certain way about how other people might feel about you like which I guess is all sort of bound up in the same thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like I have like a constant pervasive self-awareness that's mostly useful. It's like p- painful and not helpful at all. So I do kind of admire people who don't have a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. I don't. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I will. I, I, I kind of agree with both of you here. I do think that they just have like a natural advantage in life that... Uh, I, I, I guess I'm a little jealous of and in some ways like I don't know if it's something you can admire because it seems like it's like uh, something wrong in a way it like de- it seems like a it's like a 
superpower in that they don't care. <laughs> like they, they forgot about humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely depends on where you're doing it. Cause, but people generally find it admirable if you're like dancing like no one's watching, right? No, that's true. But if you negotiate like no one is a person, all of a sudden they don't no, like it No, but it's anymore. a sliding scale from like dancing like no one's watching to being like Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that is true. Uh, I like, I dance like people are forced to watch me sometimes. I dance like I'm channeling my desire to murder people <laughs> to justice. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, right, Dexter emerges. <laughs> do you guys have any other deal making you'd like him to do on your behalf? All right. Lightning bonus round. <laughs> lightning bonus round. Uh, so question number two. Um, as Tanya's hinted at a few times, I don't think we actually told the whole story. So he, for the Trump Tower in Manhattan, for the lobby the atrium he wanted this pink italian marble and so they went to the quarry they bought a ton of it but most of it's not good enough because it has like speckles or something so he didn't like the the parts with white marble in it because it wasn't special enough so yes. they basically blew off the top of an entire mountain yes and used up the entire quarry quarry and they selected only about 10 percent of all the marble that they blew up they to be the the stuff that they used so they tossed out a thousand tons of pink and white marble to get the pink and peach. Yeah, That's to get just like. the perfect stuff. So the question is, what would you do with a thousand tons of pink and white marble? Only a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I guess limited supply. The whole mountain is gone, Stephen. I guess put it on my plane. <laughs> 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 just make the whole inside rock. <laughs> that yeah. would be such a shitty way to make a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny um a thousand tons yeah I would mean, you build a monument I, I think i'd, I'd build oh, a monument yeah. or i'd finally see if the ancient aliens people are right and i'd try to build a pyramid out of it using only sumerian technology so mm. using only slavery well no i'd, I'd so I'd as an experiment people. yeah i'd sell 10 percent of the marble to hire interns for the summer. <laughs> interns. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> They're exactly getting right. work experience. It's just like They're getting credit. Those classic Sumerian internships. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> archaeological interns, sure. <laughs> hey, pull this rope. <laughs> I, yeah, you uh I'm not gonna sign off on your credits unless I see you pulling this rope all day. Yeah. Wait, you got a better idea for a thousand tons of marble? No, that's solid. It wasn't aliens. It was Sumerian interns. <laughs> and get me coffee when you're done. I'm having Please. a hard time picturing how much a thousand tons is. It's yeah. entirely too much marble. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I would take at least some of it and set up some sort of weird competition to be like, hey, sculptors, here's some marble. Wow me. Oh, I <laughs> and do just like see that. what happens. Like, like when they do like a like a chainsaw ice carving contest where you just set up a lot of ice and you're like, go. And they all make it at the same time, but with marble. So it takes like six months. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could, I could have my own art fair. That yeah. sounds sort of fun. Definitely. Yeah. I do Ooh. like the, actually that's a cool charity event, which is like marble for artists. Look, marble I own this whole mountain. Let me just, yeah. however much you need. The chisel is where they really get you though. Mm. <laughs> Chisels cost a million dollars. Shipping is <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. shipping is exactly right. <laughs> what if, okay, here's what I would do. I would take the thousand tons of marble and turn them into just a shitload of marbles. Oh, oh. there you go. Marble marbles. A thousand tons yeah. of marbles. And then I'd sell them at like, you know, weird those stores in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> Still that are like, marbles. <laughs> Here's a bad yeah. telescope and also a bin of marbles. <laughs> and malls are malls are going strong, so this is a good time to get in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I this was good answers. I like all the of those. malls are calling. It's the mall. <laughs> you want your marbles? Hello, it's the mall. We'll also take the tailings, whatever you've got. <laughs> Hello, we it's... need more marble. Hello, you've reached Marbles. <laughs> oh, oh boy! It's a mall store that sells marbles. Do you guys, yeah, do you guys? They're get going it? all in. That's really funny. The New York Times just called, too. They think it's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it for lighting bonus round. Lighting bonus round. Uh, so now we're going to do <laughs> our minor compliments. We're going to go in reverse order. Chris, you're up first. What is your minor compliment? And last night's thing you'll ever have to say about the art of the deal. 
I have always wondered what kind of assholes use the helicopter heliport at 54th Street. And this gave me a great example of the types of assholes that use the helicopter port. And it, I mean, it seems pretty cool to fly in a helicopter yes. and get in your little, you know, have your car elevated down from the elevator, you know, thing and ready for you. And they're like, yes, Mr. Trump. But, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, every time I pass that, it's not that far from my work. Um, and so I, I, uh, I now will forever picture uh, these jerks uh, who do that. Helicopters do seem like a real fun way to get around. But the buzzing of certain death. Yeah, yeah, super yeah, dangerous. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing about a plane, too, right? Like, if you're the only one in that plane, I don't know. It just seems like mismanagement can really crop up quite bad. Well, you know, you'd have a staff of Sumerian interns who are also serving you. Yeah. Who are also flying your plane? Hopefully we have a pilot for this... the plane. And marble is the safest material to <laughs> crash In an into. accident, you will be very happy to be surrounded yeah. by marble. It's stone with a lot of give, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I, th- but the sound of helicopters over cities is so annoying. So I want, until there's silent helicopters, I wouldn't want one because I would feel too bad about what I was doing to people below me. Sure. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, helicopters I think are fascinating and it seems great to just be able to jet around and, and, or not, I mean, copped around. (laughs) Yeah, copped around, sure. But, oh God, they just seem like such assholes. Yeah, totally. Uh, Tanya, minor compliment. (sighs) Um... I liked that he was sort of sartorially aware, I guess. Was he? Like, yeah, like he's always talking. Well, he talked about people being in pinstripes a lot. But then also, I liked that he described somebody as being the kind of guy who will wear a $2,000 suit with a $200 shirt. And I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but I just like that he was like specking out like people's outfits according to price. Yeah. yeah. And being like, that says something. Do we know what it is? I no, mean, we suits cost a lot more than shirts. Well, sure, but also, I don't know, I feel like if your suit is $2,000, should your shirt be $200, or should sure. it be like $500? Yeah, that's mm. a great question. I'm not actually sure. I don't know. <laughs> this is all very interesting I think particularly to me. in 1987, a $200 shirt was very expensive. He was trying to say yeah. that they both are very expensive. Well, yeah, in, mm. in $87, a $200 shirt sounds like a really nice shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could get yeah. some really nice shirts for $200 now. Yeah, you could. And I could wear them in my $5 million airplane. Boom. Pew, 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 Boom. Pew. It was made eight. of marble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my minor compliment is um, I guess he gave hope to parents. Hmm? Um, like he gave no, hope to reluctant he? parents. So hmm. what he said about his children, about his, his uh, oldest son, uh, who, looks, who now looks like a vampire and is helping run his campaign badly. Um, yeah. He said uh, that he's like, I never liked toys or baby stuff, but now that he's three years old and is getting interested in real estate, it's getting easier. And that has so much hope in it. One, I love the idea about a three-year-old who's into real estate. I don't know what that looks like, but I love the deals he wants to do. (laughs) I love the idea of a three-year-old being part of that discussion of like the value. Always wants to buy and sell McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah, right. But And loves trucks, probably. He's really into trucks. Yeah. but I also like the idea that you're like, look, I don't have a lot in common with this kid, but just wait. He'll like what I like by the time he's three. So it's a hope for reluctant parents that you'll have shared interests later on. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it, I yeah. guess. Or maybe that yeah, was just an excuse it. to read that quote that I enjoyed. I had to spin it <laughs> yeah. into a compliment. Who knows? Yeah. You'll never know. Steven, that leaves you. What's your minor compliment? Uh, my minor compliment is uh, just he did the most like the funniest like Republican politician thing because he said that um, this book is his second favorite book after the Bible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is so pandery. It's so funny. Wasn't he a Democrat at this time? Um, when he said that, wasn't he a Democrat for most of the nineties? That's what I thought. Well, yeah, he's ba- bounced back and forth. Yeah. He's, he's, sure. He doesn't, you wouldn't say that he has a moral center. It does feel like he wrote that on like <laughs> he was he was like being interviewed about his MySpace. Oh, my favorite <laughs> books are the Bible and mine. <laughs> right, exactly. He just listed them and didn't know that they were going to be ranked. Uh, yeah. Does he seem like a particularly pious man, Donald no. Trump? No. No. 
No. Did he mention church or God or no. anything other than mm. talking about real estate with the Cardinals? <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. That was a weird thing. Yeah. Oh, super weird. And Oh, and he also mentions that you don't want to get sued by them. Right. Yeah. Like, Do not enter into legal disputes with the Catholic Church. All right. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like land war in Asia, lawsuits with the Catholic Church. Location, yeah. location, location. Yeah, that sure. was that, that did seem like solid advice. Uh, yeah, there was a there was the controversy. So apparently he doesn't really read books. That's a, a thing that has been written about a lot. He doesn't have the patience for books. Um, but apparently he had a copy of like the great speeches of Hitler on his nightstand for several years. But mm. but never touched it, which is like actually believable because he's never read a book. But like someone gave it to him and he put it on his bookshelf on the dresser and then never looked at it. But it was like didn't think that it'd huh. be weird to have a book of the great spe- speeches of Hitler on his nightstand for a long time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, that what kind of well. great friend, right? That's like, hey, I found a thing you'd like. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. I know everybody likes Mein Kampf. This is, but the great stuff is Hitler's B sides. Yeah, exactly. You want a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> that Frankfurt address from April. Oh man, <laughs> just wait. All right, you guys, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we got to get out of here, but we'll be back again next week. Next week, we're beginning an experiment uh, in Chris. Huh? We're, so Chris is uh, Chris has been feeling kind of down recently about the topics that we are consuming. I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, but it sort of seemed like they did not fit into his view of what a good life would be like. Or like what he imagined himself doing every week. And I don't know. So, it's just been deals, 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 Alex. Yeah, <laughs> he's got. He doesn't have a good work-life balance between uh, the part of his life that is just the worst things that people can cook up for him. So he expressed this to us, and so we're going to try for the next couple weeks to get Chris's groove back. So we are going to pick things we think Chris will enjoy talking about and try to get him to have a good time in his spare time when his work isn't crushing his soul. So that's what's coming up. Um, we're going to announce the topic probably by the time this comes out, but uh, we're still making some decisions for the next few weeks. But it's Chris Gets His Groove Back Month here on Read and Weep starting next week. So tune in for that. Are you excited, Chris? Sure. How far does your groove <laughs> feel from being back? I don't know yet. Can we make... You watch Stella got her groove back and just see what you learn from that. You should probably start off with that. <laughs> it's a good primer in getting back grooves. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah we should know that just so we, we know how to do it. Could we? Uh, should we watch the Emperor's New Groove? What if this instead of being about you just turned into movies with groove in the title? <laughs> just like uh, you know, other movies from like the seventies are like Groovin. Oh yeah, or, gro- yeah. I think Groovin is a movie. Jaws. Wait, I, I, I lost the thread. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's some other groovy movies. Um, anyway, so that's happening next week. Uh, stick around. Uh, thanks for being here. As always, at C. Walter Smith. Uh-huh. At the Tanya Best. Make that deal. Oh, no, never mind. Hey, did you have a good Tanya day? I did, except that this was my assignment for the week. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of weird. But what about but the other everybody parts? was so lovely, and thank you so much for your Tanya Day support. I was really overwhelmed and, and felt very, very well Tanya'd. I thought it was so fun. It made me very happy. So I'm, thank you, everybody, for helping us out and participating in Tanya Day. Um, I did celebrate by... We, Megan and I ate chili. So... And we liked it. Yeah. I hope you liked it. We did. <laughs> we did. Uh, anyway, and thanks for being here at Carter Street 42. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is a weird one. Thanks for, <laughs> for sticking it out. What a pleasure it was. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we enjoyed right. talking to you. I enjoyed talking to you. All right. Well, uh, have a good one, buddy. It's great talking to you. We'll, we'll talk to you all again soon. Goodbye. Pshh.